I love when the Lord weaves things together. Happy Canada Day tomorrow. Happy, oh, come on. Really? That's how you're excited about Canada Day? It's 152nd anniversary of the Confederation. You know what that means? That means today is the last day of 152 years. You know what that means? Tomorrow is the first day of 153rd year. Because when a baby is born, even though they haven't had their birthday yet, they're in their first year. You with me? So when they come to their birthday, they have completed one year, and the next day becomes the first day of their second year. So we have completed 152 years, and now we've entered into the 153rd year tomorrow. So I wanted to speak about that, and I wanted to speak about Canada. And it was so fitting that Aisha brought what she brought because this, I believe, is the year of the harvest. This is the year of the big catch. This is the year that the net is so full that the harvest into the kingdom, that salvations will exceed our expectation. Amen? So I want to talk a little bit about that. Where is, what nation has the fastest growing church? China? Iran? Anybody else? Korea? Mm, they're not growing as much these days. They've grown a lot in the past, but not as much these days. China has grown a lot in the last little while. Afghanistan is right up there. Afghanistan is number two. Number one is Iran. Number one is Iran. What is the fastest religion that is growing in Europe right now? Come on, it's easy. Europe was always a Christian, not always, but was a Christian dominated environment. But lately, the advance of Islam has been great. That's amazing. Uh, and it's interesting to me that the church in Iran, a Muslim nation, is growing so fast. The church in Egypt is going through fa- so fast. The church in all of the Middle East, what Hani was talking about last week, Hani Emanuel, when he's talking about what is called the MENA region, the Middle East North Africa region, the MENA region, that is the region that experiences today, which is also historically known as being part of the 1040 window. That is the area that has the fastest harvest of believers coming to know God personally through His Son, Jesus Christ. I don't want to talk about religion. I don't want to get caught up in that. I want to talk about people coming into relationship with God. Last week, we were at the Canadian, Canada's Immigration and Refugee Board for a hearing. Uh, and I want to show you a picture. And I want to see your reaction to the picture. Whoa. <laughs> okay. Wonderful, wonderful that we are able to celebrate Elahe's reception into Canada. The, the member of the Canadian uh, Immigration and Refugee Board congratulated her and welcomed her as, in Canada as a person who has received refuge. But that's not what I want to focus on. That's wonderful, and we all celebrate, and we, we congratulate you, and we're happy that you've added such a valuable component to what Canada is and will become. But I want to focus on something else. What else do you see in the picture other than Elahe? I see a family, but I see the maple leaf. 
What does a maple leaf look like? What is it? It's a net. It's a prophetic picture of Canada's destiny in these end times. It is the net that John 20 talks about, or 21, talks about when Jesus is referring to the disciples. When he called them, what did he call them to be? Follow me for I will make you fishers of men. And when he brought them in, he taught them everything for three years. And then when he went and was crucified and was buried for three days in the, in the tomb... Three days later, when he arose, he came back to them, spent 40 days with them, 40 days with them, teaching them about the kingdom and things to come to Israel. That's what he did in those 40 days. In those 40 days, he opened their eyes to the prophecies that were spoken about long ago about Israel's role in the end times. And Israel's role wasn't just about Israel. It was about all the other nations. And he actually commanded them and told them, go into all the world, go to the ends of the earth, start in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, teaching them everything that I have taught you, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Actually, he didn't say that. He said, baptize them into the kingdom. And he brought them in. And then after all of that, they gave up. In the midst of all these conversations, they gave up and they went back to fishing. So he comes to them one day and they had labored all night and they caught nothing. So he comes to them and he says, boys, what's going on? He says, well, we're laboring, there's no fish. Oh, he says, the harvest is plenty. The workers are few. Throw the net on the other side of the boat. And they throw the net on the other side of the boat. And before you know it, the net is so full. And what is it full of in the picture here? Families. Families. It's full of a family. What looks like a father, a mother, and a child. Right? And it's probably... Yeah, the mother's a little shorter than the, the, the father. And the son is catching up fast. I suspect that he's going to supersede all of them. But anyway, that's due to good weather and good food and good Canadian milk. <laughs> anyway, but in all of this... Do you see what the net looks like? It's got a cross on every end. Canada's destiny, guys, is to be that tree of life whose leaves are for the healing of the nations. So when Canada was established long, long ago, when its fathers of confederation first sat together and they decided that the name of the nation was going to be the kingdom, sorry, the dominion of Canada, you know where they got that? They got that from a scripture reading that one of them was reading in the morning, one of the fathers of confederation. He was praying and the Lord gave him Psalm 72 verse 8, which read, And he shall have dominion from sea to sea. And he looked at Canada and he realized that Canada is a huge mass of land that has sea on one end and sea on another end. There's not too many nations that have that, by the way. Think about it. It wasn't just a random application of a verse. There are very few nations that have sea on both ends. Actually, some would say that we have sea on three ends with the sea up north. But the scripture said from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. And then we had a river that goes up from Lake Ontario, right up into Ontario, right up into Quebec, right into Newfoundland and Labrador and all those regions in the Far East and spills over into the ocean. And from there it goes to the ends of the earth. So that verse, even though it applies originally to Israel as a nation, 
and it's talking about the Galilee and the, and the uh, Mediterranean and the River Jordan, that verse applies to Canada very prophetically. So they named the nation the Dominion of Canada because he has dominion and not only the queen. But why did they come to Canada? Why did the English come to Canada? Why did the French come to Canada? Why did so many in the Dutch and the Germans and the Greeks and the Italians and the Iranians and the Egyptians and the Armenians and all of you who have come here, all of us who are here today have come because of, of a choice that somebody made for a better future. Either you yourself have made that choice or your parents have made that choice, your grandparents. Somebody has made it. And in this picture, she has made this choice because of what this nation provides her as a package. Okay? It wasn't just a social decision that I want to live on this side of the fence. Or I want to live on this side because it's got better green, you know, grass. It was a decision that affects her whole being. And every one of us are here because of a decision that this nation can provide us something. Whether we ourselves have made that or our parents or grandparents, it doesn't matter who. Somebody along the bloodline made the decision that this nation provides something for me and my family that is beneficial. So I want us to to start thinking along these lines as we delve into the scriptures that I'm going to share with you. Because unless we enlarge our focus from what God is doing on this planet beyond me and myself and my home, we will always be living like lost people. The scripture says a people who've lost vision perish. You can be a wonderful Christian, spirit-filled, know how to hear the voice of God, know how to give prophetic words, know how to speak healing into people's lives. But if you have lost the big picture, you are really just... you're making noise you're not impacting the purposes of God and God doesn't want us to only function that way these are the tools that he gives us just like a cell in the body if it has the proper nucleus if it functions well if it knows how to transform energy from the food that it's getting if it knows how to clean itself up if it's functioning as a perfect cell but it's not integrated into the fullness of what this body is supposed to function as that cell eventually will die So we need to know what the big picture is. We need to understand where we fit into the scheme of things. Why have we been brought over to this nation by whatever choice we think we have made? What has landed us in Canada to end this 152nd year and enter the 153rd year together for the purpose of this net? Why have we come here? I want to share some scriptures with you. The first one is from a very popular book. You probably have read it just last week. The book of Nahum. How many of you read the book of Nahum last week? Wow. All of you have missed it. (laughs) No. All of you have avoided it probably. It's one of those obscure, what we call minor prophets. It's only three chapters. It's minor because of its size, not because of its weight. It's minor because it's hidden in between uh, Nahum is followed by uh, Habakkuk. How many read Habakkuk last week? Probably not. Yeah, I see that. It's a very popular book among us. But anyway, I I felt the Lord tell me to focus on it because there's something very critical about the name of the book. The name of the book is Nahum. Nahum. Nahum in Hebrew. What does that mean? 
It means, actually, his name is one of the names of the Holy Spirit. His name is Comfort. So if we don't hear what the Spirit is saying through these small books, we're missing a lot. And this book has three chapters, and I'm going to take the time to read through one whole chapter with you today. That's a third of a book. What did you do at church today? Well, the pastor read a third of the book. Oh, the whole book? Yeah, the whole book. Okay, I'll read it real quick. An oracle concerning Nineveh. Anybody know where Nineveh is? It was in the news for the last little while, the plains of Nineveh, North Iraq, where ISIS has been really active, Mosul, uh, that whole region in North Iraq by Kurdistan, in that area, right? Mount Sinjar, that's all in the area of Nineveh. As a matter of fact, one of the things that was destroyed in advancing the plans of ISIS was the tomb of, anybody remember? Jonah. Jonah had been sent to Nineveh with a message from God. As a matter of fact, in the Greek Bible, they lump these two books side by side. The book of Jonah and the book of Nahum. Because they both bookend the history of God's interaction with the people of that region. And those people are the original people of Assyria. So this is a book about the Assyrian kingdom. It is a book speaking about what God intends to speak to say to the people of Nineveh and it's the kingdom was established through the city of Nineveh that was its capital and it's a vision the book of the vision of Nahum of Elkosh if I said it a different way you probably will recognize it Elkosh anybody remember the word the name of the city Elkosh next to Mosul well that's a city that's in that area so Nineveh was very close to the city of Elkosh and there is speculation that there were two cities by that same name, one by the Sea of Galilee in Israel, but this is most likely the city that had a larger population of Israelites that were carried off by the Assyrians. And here's a man who was a prophet. He heard the word of God. And not only did he feel compelled to write it, but he felt that it was weighty enough that it was important to deliver it. So he writes it. A jealous, avenging God is the Lord. The Lord is avenging and wrathful. Wow. Doesn't sound like his name at all. You would expect comfort to be a flowery, nice, God is so good. God, you're so good to me. We just finished singing it. But he's speaking a different language here. And this sometimes is a problem for us. And that's why most of us avoid these Old Testament passages. Because we don't know how to make sense of it. How do we contrast a God who is so good to us. Who speaks to our lives. Who brings healing to our bodies. Who brings healing to our heart and our soul when we're troubled. How do we reconcile that kind of a God with a God who's vengeful and wrathful. But that's also God. The Lord takes vengeance on his adversary. Now, in the books of the New Testament, Paul writes and he says that all scripture is inspired by God. And when he wrote that, the only thing that qualified as scripture was what we today call the Old Testament. So he was talking about all 37 books of the Old Testament when he says, including Nahum, that all scripture is inspired from God, by God, and is profitable for correction, for teaching, for instruction, for the equipping of the man and the woman of God. So it's important for us to have this. 
So when we get this, and also another part of the scripture in the New Testament tells us that everything that has been written in the Old Testament, in the scripture, is an example for us to know, ought to know how to live. So the easiest way to understand the difference between the old and the new, and to understand the nuances of this aspect of the warring, vengeful God, is to recognize that he spoke to Abraham in chapter 12, and then later on in chapter, uh, different chapters of Genesis 14 and 15 and so on, and he spoke about Abraham having two types of sons. Are you with me so far? When he spoke first to Abraham, he told him that your children will number like the stars in the heavens. Do you remember that? And then later on, he tells him they will number like the sands of the sea. Okay. One is heavenly. One is earthly. So he focused the entire Old Testament and his reactions to illustrate the model of his behavior in the heavenlies by showing us examples on the earthly. So everything that Israel is involved in, everything that is warring, everything that is enemies, God has no enemies in human people. God loves everyone. He loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone would believe and be saved. He doesn't want to destroy anybody. He is not vengeful on Nineveh. He's using that as an illustration of the earthly to help us now in this age to understand the heavenly, the spiritual, that which is the spiritual enemies of God. And the war that he is doing against the powers and the principalities and the heavenly places that are meant to destroy humanity and the creation of God. So don't think of this God as being any different. He just used what Israel could understand because their focus was earth. All they saw was sand on the sea. And they wanted to conquer. And they wanted to be a nation like the other nations. They even wanted a king like the other kings when they had the king himself as God. And we just finished singing that. You are my savior. You are my healer. You are my king. So if we're speaking of kings, we are speaking of nations and authorities and a dominion that he has, and he is, has dominion over us. So Nahum is talking about this God being vengeful and rages against his enemy. Who are his enemies? Today, historically, who are his enemies? They're the powers and the principalities that are in the heavenly places that are shaking people up, that are coming against you and me and our minds and our thoughts and our bodies and everything that we do. These are the spirits that are constantly waging war against God and his family. From the beginning of time to now, when Satan came into the garden to attempt Adam and Eve, when he continued by having Cain kill Abel, when he continued by having the people go berserk to the point that God had flooded the earth, and only saved one family so that he can continue. And since that time, they continue to do the same thing. Their trick hasn't changed. It just changed flavor so that we can think it's different. And we think it's unique to us. But it's the same trickery. It's the same lies. He is the father of lies. And he is the enemy of God. And God is going to be taking vengeance for his people's sake. The Lord is slow to anger, but great in power. And the Lord will, be by, will by no means clear the guilty. He is going to find the enemy guilty at the end and imprison him for a long time and punish him eternally. His way is in whirlwind and storm and the clouds are the dust of his feet. He rebukes the sea and makes it dry. This scares me. We're city river. And he dries up all the rivers. We better be on the right side of this equation. 
Bashan and Carmel wither, and the bloom of Lebanon fade. The mountain quake before him, and the hills melt. The earth heaves before him. The world and all who live in it, who can stand before his indignation? Who can endure the heat of his anger? His wrath is poured out like fire, and by him the rocks are broken into pieces. What a picture. A God who has had enough. You know, he's ready to deal with this nonsense. He's chomping at the bit, not because he's out of control, but his pain level has reached the max in terms of what the damage has been to his loved ones. And he's going to put an end to this. And his loved ones include those that are killing and those that are being killed that we're praying that double will come in. His loved ones include everybody that disagrees with us. His loved ones include everybody that is fighting all over the earth to take control. His loved ones include the powers and the, the, the authorities of over every nation. Every law that is being passed by a corrupt government in, is included in the ones that God loves. The people that pass those laws, I mean. Who can stand before his indignation? Who can endure the heat of his anger? The Lord is good. What? Where'd that come from? Nahum, are you sure now this is the angry, vengeful God, but God is good? Who is he talking to again? He's talking about the same thing. This is a message for Nineveh. This is now years after Jonah had come and Jonah spoke a message he didn't want to speak. Jonah came into the city of Nineveh and said, Repent because God is going to save you if you repent. But I don't want you to repent. I want you to go to hell. That was his message. Very similar to us, some Christians sometimes. Uh, you know that uh, God loves you and you're a sinner. You're going to hell if you don't receive his salvation. I wouldn't want that message. It's the goodness of God that leads to repentance. So God sends Jonah to Nineveh and tells him, Nineveh, you better repent. And somehow through the nonsense of Jonah's broken heart, they heard God's voice and God's love and they repented and God saved them. So what do you think God is saying in this to Nineveh? That he's going to come and destroy and he's going to do this and he's going to do that and he's going to be a vengeful God. And, but God is good. A stronghold in a day of trouble. He protects those who take refuge in him. Even in a rushing flood, he will make a full end of his adversaries and will pursue his enemies into darkness where they have been hiding. Who do you plot against? Why do you plot against the Lord? He will make an end. No adversary will rise up twice. Like thorns they are entangled. Like drunkards they are drunk. They are consumed like dry straw. For you... From you, one has gone out who plots evil against the Lord, who, one who counsels wickedness. The Lord says, though they are full of strength, excuse me, though they are at full strength and many, they will be cut off and pass away. Though I have afflicted you and I will afflict you no more. For now, and now I will break off his yoke from you and snap the bonds that bind you. Do you hear it? He's talking about the true enemy that is actually holding the people hostage. This isn't talking about just Israel. He's talking about Nineveh as a nation, as a kingdom. as a, Actually, it was an empire. It wasn't just a kingdom. They had conquered much of that region of the Mina. They were ruling with an iron fist. There was corruption, and the corruption is coming out because the heart is wicked. And the enemy comes and whispers things into that heart, and they follow, like we do, like our leaders do. The Lord has commanded concerning you. Your name shall be perpetuated no longer. 
From the house of your gods I will cut off the carved image and the cast image. I will make your grave for you are worthless. Who is he talking about? The enemies. Look, on the mountains are the feet of one who brings good tidings, who proclaim peace, uh, peace. Celebrate your festivals, O Judah. Fulfill your vows, for never again shall the wicked invade you. They are utterly cut off. I'm going to skip this. This is a little... Uh, you can catch online. If you go to uh, YouTube and uh, look up Bible oh, Project, denounced. I'm going to just skip right through it. We don't have time for it today. But uh, let's go to our next verse. And in this verse, in, in this passage, you find that some of the stuff that we quoted is right from the book of Exodus. It's from the law. He is applying the same standard that he gave Israel to Nineveh. He's not a respecter of one nation versus the other. Even though he chose Israel as his vehicle, he's speaking the same things. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion. So in his speaking this message to Nineveh, he wants them to return. He wants them to come back. He wants to save them. Isaiah, he quotes the same thing from Isaiah. Those who make unjust laws, those who issue oppressive decrees to deprive the poor of their rights and withhold justice from the oppressed of my people, making widows their prey and robbing the fatherless. Man, oh man, all of that is hidden within the, uh, the books of the Bible, but it's very plainly pushed in by God through Nahum to the nation of Nineveh, to the uh, empire of uh, uh, Assyria. In 1999, there was a gathering that was in uh, Edmonton, Ontario, uh, Manitoba, Sorry, Winnipeg, Manitoba. And in that gathering, the Lord spoke to Canada about its destiny. There was a prophetic song that was released. I have a recording of it, and I have its lyrics. It is called The Song of the Lord. It reminded me, as I was putting this message together, it reminded me of that when I was looking at Nahum and what Nahum was speaking to the nation at the empire of Assyria. Because I believe that the Lord, 20 years later, is speaking the same thing to Canada to bring us back on track to what his purposes are. When he spoke that word, and that when that song was released over Canada, Canada had just embarked on a journey that was looking at what some of the root issues in the nation were that needed to be dealt with so that the nation could step into its prophetic destiny, its redemptive destiny. You're wondering, I've come to church to receive something for me. He's not speaking anything for me. He's talking about nations. I am talking about nations. But like I said earlier, unless as a cell you see what the whole body is doing, you'll just be lost. You won't get the total picture. You won't know where you're going. You just think it's about this little bubble that you're in, and this is the important things in your life. You've got to look outside that bubble to see the total picture. So 20 years ago, this song was released on July 1st. It was 133, the first day of the 133rd year. And that really, when I think about it, brings to my memory... My heart bubbles over with the words, how beautiful it is, the 133rd Psalm, when brothers dwell together in unity. There, there's a blessing, life forevermore, a commanded blessing. 
Ten years it took to 19, uh, from 1999 to 2009, and the journey of Canada got to a point where we couldn't walk together in unity anymore. And everybody that was part of this movement that was labeled Watchmen for the Nations put their mantle down. Some walked away earlier than 2009. Some walked away at 2009. And as a matter of fact, on the 9th of September, so 9-09-09-09, that was when they made the decision that they're all going to put it down and wait until the Lord calls the nation back together. In 2017, some of you here were in Montreal where we had a gathering called One. Just one. The One Gathering. And every gathering, the Lord gives a name that relates to what He wants to do. So this was a watchman gathering in, 2000, in, in 2017. And on Canada Day, we celebrated by coming together with four other sites. So there were five sites that were linked by Zoom video call. And we shared communion, and I shared this stuff with you, and we actually entered into this declaration of dominion, or the dominion declaration, where we declared that we will walk as one because that's how he has made the church in Canada as one, and that we will continue to honor one another. So that was eight years after the, ten, uh, the, 2000, after the first 10 years, from 1999 to 2009, eight years later. We're standing on five different stages sharing communion and making this declaration that we will stand as one. We, Canadians, we are Canadian. We are members of the national expression of the body of Jesus Christ in the nation of Canada. We have come from uh, before the throne of God in heaven today. And we have made this declaration that we will continue to walk as one. That was two years ago. What has come out of all of that is... Many different things that have been coming together and an expression that I will share in a few moments what I'm uh, trying to get at. The five groups continued to talk. And among them, there were many other groups that joined in. And what came out of that, what birthed out of that was a desire to come together in Ottawa this time on August 7th through the 10th for a gathering called As One. And it's a representational gathering of different ministries that have opted to walk together and honor one another. So from Fateen's ministry with Vicole Media and Fateen TV to National House of Prayer to uh, Christ for Your City with Michael Pierce to Wanda's ministry to Glow Canada to Mission GTA and the number of, of, of mission organization or ministry organizations that are working together is increasing every day as people hear about what we're walking out and what we are doing. So if you go to asonecanada.ca, this gathering will take place in Ottawa, July, uh, August 7th to the 10th, and I ask you to pray for it, to pray for what the Lord wants to do and speak in, into Canada. And along with that, there's many, many different other things that are happening. So there's, if you go to United, uniteforcanada2019.ca, you will see what the Lord is doing this year into the 153rd year of Canada's uh, establishment. There's many, many different initiatives that are happening nationally that are seeking the same thing, that God would speak to the church in such a way that the church would hear his voice and that we, the church, the small remnant within the nation, 
not the remnant within the church, but the church being the small remnant within the nation, would wake up to what God is trying to do in Canada and align ourselves with his purposes to speak on earth what he is speaking in heaven and establishing it here as fact. This will affect each one of us. And this is where it gets personal. The spiritual climate over the nation shifts when the church takes its authority and decrees on earth the, thing that, the things that the Lord wants to establish on a nation. Why are things shifting in Iran the way that they are? Why after the oppression that came in with the revolution that took place in the 80s has now 30, some 40 years later, 30 plus years later, we're seeing a shift that people are shaking off the darkness that they have experienced through the power that came over them, that now they are coming into the kingdom and establishing the relationship with God as Father like never before. Why? Because something over the nation shifted spiritually. People have been praying. People have been repenting. Forty days of prayers have been called. Different things have been going on. Fatin is called for a cry on October 12th. That's into the fall a few weeks before we have a national election. It is not meant for any political advancement. It's not meant for anything that will cause us to, to shift politically. But it is one of those markers on the ground that we know whenever we have had a cry close to an election, things have shifted in the election. Because God moves over the heart of people, not because of the people that are there in number are going to make a difference politically. It's not about the political change, but it's about the ideologies that the Lord wants to bring in that will establish peace over the church and over the nation and cause righteousness to be established over a nation. Psalm, uh, I think it's 122, it says, Blessed is the nation whose uh, God is the Lord. Why? Because if a nation is submitted to the plans of God for it, it will put in laws in place that will honor things and cause things to move forward in an amazing way. I'm going to go on some risky grounds here because some of you are probably going to have reactions to this. But I want you to hear this. One of the biggest things that Canada is involved in in unrighteousness is the fact that we don't have a law for abortion. You're going to tell me, well, Scripture is very vague about abortion. Not really. If you're going to quote Exodus or, or about the fight between two men and the woman that gets hurt in the process and her baby is... What's the word? miscarried that's some translations translated that way and because it translates them that way it gives us a legitimacy for abortion into thinking that a child that is in the womb is less a human than a child out of the womb but in reality what it says is premature birth anyway i'm not going to discuss this we can talk about it another time but i, I want to bring your attention to this movie that is being released now on july 12th in, in theaters all across canada it is a very graphic and powerful movie. Okay? It will change the way you feel about abortion. It will change the way you feel about a fetus. But that's an area that we as a nation need to repent and to close that door for righteousness to walk over this nation. When we walk in sin, when we are murdering babies in the womb, and I chose my words very carefully, we are committing sin and we are shedding blood unrighteously. And where there is unrighteous bloodshed or innocent bloodshed, there's a curse that is attached to it on the land. So I'm, I'm sharing all of this not to rile you up, not to anger you, but to bring it into focus, into perspective. And I'm going to end with this song. 
These are prophetic words that were spoken over the nation 20 years ago.
stood out for me as I was listening to this song. The word north in Hebrew has its roots in the word hidden. And the Lord had talked about, in the, in the, the prophetic word, she was talking about the hidden is now time for us to come out. Who won the NBA? We the North. We the North. It's our time. I mean, okay, fine, that's cute. Yeah, it's cute. Last week, Hanny was here and he was telling us that the Lord doesn't want to just come and touch. He wants to come and inhabit. This is the time that I believe that we have come to as a nation where the dwelling of the Lord will be established over this nation, which means it's going to affect you in your home. It's going to affect you in your workplace. It's going to affect you in your health. 
It's going to affect you in your finances. It's going to affect you in your relationships. It's going to affect every part of our lives as the Lord's presence comes and dwells among us. This is the presence that Moses told God that I will not leave this place if your presence does not go with us. He brought him out of Egypt and he walked with them for the 40 years and then eventually he led them across the Jordan into the promised land. And he was talking to us about all those themes. So let's stand up and invite the Lord to use us into this coming season to be part of what God wants to do across the nation. The prophetic word that Wanda released over us, that we are a congregation that is called for harvest, and we will see the harvest come in. The 153 fish are caught in a net. A net is things woven together. And three churches are functioning together as one. So there's a whole bunch of things that are converging. It's that moment that we are in. So, Father, we just come to you. And once again, as we lift up our voice to you, we say, Lord, thank you for the privilege of walking as one. Here in this congregation of three churches that are functioning as one, we bless you and we thank you. We ask, Lord, for that blessing that you spoke about, that oil that runs down the beard, even Aaron's beard, that goes into every part of the body, that affects every part of the body. Father, I pray that oil continues to drip down over each one of us, bringing healing to where we need healing, bringing correction and adjustment where it's needed, and bringing release and freedom where it's needed. Father, we thank you. I pray for those that are hurting right now in their bodies. Lord, there are many among us that are with unknown things. There are many among us with diagnosed things. Whatever the case, Lord, we pray specifically now for a release of healing in this house. A release for those that are aching and those that are not functioning at 100%. Father, you are the healer. We finished singing it earlier. Jesus, you are the one that brings healing. Your stripes were for our healing. So we receive healing for you right now. And we thank you. And Father, as we leave here, may your peace go with us. May we be lights in every part of the city and across this nation. As we celebrate Canada Day, help us remember what your destiny for this nation is. And allow us opportunities to speak it and release it over this nation. As we travel, as we walk, as we, we, we do everything that we do, every step we take, Lord, may the promise that you gave Joshua ring in our ears. Every place your foot sets, I have given to you. You haven't given it to us for our possession. You've given us that land for us to enlarge your kingdom and your glory over the enemy of your soul, your, your, your kingdom, the enemy of our soul. So in Jesus' name, go in peace, go in strength, and God bless you. Amen.